Hello, lovely single mums, and thank you for joining this podcast where we'll be talking about the difference between your divorce and your property settlement. My name is Lucy Good, and I'm the founder of Beanstalk, which is an online space dedicated to supporting and inspiring single mums from all walks of life. And today I have great pleasure in chatting to the financial expert advisor for Beanstalk and the Single Mum Vine, and that is Belinda Eldridge from Divide. Now, Belinda is the founder and managing director of Divide, which is a business that helps couples who have separated to financially separate in a cost-effective manner without using lawyers. Uh, Belinda, who is also a single mother, loves helping uh, separated couples, and she does this with transparency and honesty. Not only does she give them the facts, but she also gives them hope, empathy, and the understanding that, yes, it may be hard now, but it will get better. She works with couples to determine what financial structure will work best for them as two single parents co-parenting and then helps them agree on the action plan to implement the new structure as cost effectively as possible. Welcome to the podcast once again, Belinda. Thank you, Lucy. I don't quite know how I can follow that, but anyway, thank you for welcoming me. You know I always sing your praises, always. (laughs) Your biggest fan. Thank you. (laughs) Look, this is such an important topic and it touches on the absolute confusion that we often feel faced with um, a separation. And it's a time when we absolutely have to deal with those practical issues at the same time as dealing with huge range of emotions and it's something that you and I talk about quite a lot that kind of Mm. timing of the practical issues hitting at the same time as all those difficult emotions and sorting out your kids Um, I would say that it's a hugely challenging time even for the most organized and knowledgeable amongst us Um, and I know as a single mum Belinda you've been through this I'd be interested to know looking back how do you remember that time in your life because I know it's that time that's made you so passionate to help others get through it without the stress um, and worry that perhaps you went through and a lot of people have gone through in the past. Yes, stress and worry summarises it well. So, um, yeah, when I look back on that time, um, yeah, stressful, traumatic, confusing, overwhelming, all, all, all those all those factors to describe it and also feeling that you just want to crawl up into a ball and it's all too hard but you've got these huge decisions that you you've got to make that impact you and your children for the rest of your life so it's trying to then f- for me I was trying to source my own information on on what my options were and 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 trying to find some mentors and role models as to how to do it better when, when you're dealing with people you know at their emotional worst you know so so how to help so so in the process that I went through sort of seeking that out for myself and 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 being a chartered accountant and having done a law degree I I then was able to do that research myself um, but really finding that there was nothing available to help guide you through that process where people wanted to do it amicably and you know look at moving forward for what was best for their children for from a co-parenting point of view and so all, all probably all the mistakes that I made along the way is what I've tried to 
correct, 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 and um, and give guidance to couples that I help with so that they uh, can learn from what's happened before and 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 take the good bits and and move forward with them. Yeah. Yeah, and I think even for, as I said just now, I think even the most knowledgeable, such as yourself, you know, you had the, <laughs> you had the ability, you had the information there at your fingertips, but it was still so hard to pull it all together. Um, oh, and work because out what you can be the do. most intelligent, um, capable person, but at that point in your life, that's not how you're feeling, you know, because you've got so many other things. You're trying to then deal with your children's emotional needs, have them still feel loved and secure when you're conscious that all of your worlds are changing. And so um, those of us who at times when life's ticking along normally can manage all of these things, at that point in your life, you need some additional support. Now, be that from family, friends, professionals, wherever wherever you can get the support that works best for you. And we all have different needs at those different times and what works for one person might not work for someone else. So it's it's just being open to what you need to help you through that process and then surrounding yourself with positive professionals and friends and family who can help you move forward. Because going on about, you know, all the challenges and how bad everything is, isn't actually going to help anyone so yes there's there's challenging stuff that needs to be dealt with and yes I certainly encourage people to then get the emotional support they need to move through that but you've sort of almost got to separate the two and say okay I'm going to put that emotional stuff over there while I deal with these practical things and then I'll okay now I'm dealing with my emotional box now I'm dealing with that you know because otherwise it all just becomes too um intertwined and 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 you can't see a way a way forward so um, that's what I try and help people with to, to send them off to get the emotional support they need so that when they're coming back to me to talk about the financial things we can just focus on that and we're not then having um, other real painful genuine um, emotions clouding the financial decisions we're then saying they need to be addressed and they need to be supported but do that separately so that when you come to do the financial stuff, you're only talking about financial and you can then move through that process fairly quickly and not mix the financial and the emotional up together, which just ends up costing everybody a lot of time and money and angst and isn't in anyone's best interest. Uh, which is why you do it so brilliantly. I love the fact, just the way you put it, it's just, it just makes it so obvious, you know, the way it needs to be done. So mm. we're going to, we're going to actually start to help people right now in um, our next few questions. Um, the questions that I'm going to put to you, I really hope it's going to clear up a lot of things for the listeners um, and help them really on that first step of understanding mm. um, how they go through these practical stroke financial parts of the separation that we all have to go through. We can't Absolutely. keep them under the carpet for too yes. long. Um, so I'll start with uh, the first question, which is fairly basic, um, but it's where I needed to go when I was going through it because I had no idea what I was doing. So the whole reason for this podcast is because divorce and financial settlement are often thought of as one single ma- matter, um, and that's not the case. They are different. Can you briefly explain what each one is and the timeline of when they can happen in relation to the separation? Absolutely. Yeah, the, the first thing is 
they are um, commonly thought of as the same matter. And it's also because in the media and things like that, people talk about divorce when they meet property settlements. So um, everybody gets confused by this topic. So it's, um, um, yeah, that's why I was delighted you want to talk about this today to, to help people. So yes, divorce and and financial or property settlement are two totally separate matters in the, to be done through the family court and they can be done independently from each other. So the financial property settlement side, which is how you divide up your property, can happen at any time after separation. So um, some couples, if they've you know been talking about it for a while and by the time they then get to separation, they've pretty well decided between them how assets are going to be split. I mean, I've had some couples that, you know, a week after they've been separated are then, right, we're ready to move forward and divide up our assets. So that can happen at any time after separation. But the key thing that you need to remember is there are time time limits, which is the deadline when the applications must be lodged by. And um, if you were married, you've got a, a, a 12 months after the date that your divorce became finalised. And if you're in a de facto relationship, you've got a, a, a deadline of two years from your separation date. So there are exceptions where you can apply to the court for um, special permission if you're outside these these time limits, but it's certainly not standard that the court grants it. And so you certainly wouldn't want to depend on that and assume you were going to get that. So given given that there are the, these time limits, particularly where a couple um, has been married, it's always advisable, if possible, for them to do their property settlement before they apply for a divorce, because then they're not subject to any time limits. And then they know that if they, they've always got the support of the court behind them, which is, which is healthy for both parties to know that they've got. So, so that's the, the financial property settlement side of things. Divorce is a totally separate matter and it's much simpler than the financial property settlement. Um, the costs are cheaper as well. Um, and it can be applied for after 12 months of separation and children and property matters don't have need to have been finalised at the same time the divorce has happened, but it is, it is advisable that these matters have been considered because of the you know, time limits that I explained before. Mm. So if, you, um, if people get divorced and they miss their deadline of the two years... Um... No, well, if they're getting divorced, then they've got the deadline of one year, but um, the two-year deadline relates to couples who are in a de facto relationship, oh, de facto. so they wouldn't be getting divorced. So that's the ones that I find trips people up the most because mm, yeah. um, two years can move very quickly and it's from separation date. And remembering also that separation date can also occur while you're both still living in the same home if one party communicates to the other party, I now regard this relationship as over and we are now separated and you then cease living together as a couple. So, you know, people move into separate bedrooms, they start living separate lives, and that's all acceptable to still recognise as a separation date because, you know, practically these days to then, you know, it might be that the, the family home needs to be sold. So quite often people can't afford for one person to mm. move out and you're then trying to turn what was funding one household into two households. So that obviously takes 
time and effort to organise and quite often if there's a bigger family home that needs to be sold and then the money from that goes to each person to then go and buy a smaller property or choose to invest that in rent or whatever choices they choose to make. So, yeah, mm. the biggest time limit there is normally for de facto couples. Yeah, and so, so just with that de facto, I just want mm. to very quickly just hone in on that because I know there are so many de facto relationships at the mm. moment. When you say this separation date, I think that's just something, just a key point. So what you can just do yeah. an email to your partner and say, Correct. I consider us as, as separated Correct. from this day. Um, that's yes. how it's done, literally yes. that simple. It, it, so so for, for certain simple things, like if one person moves out, that's then easy to say that's yes, when the separation yeah. date started. But there's a whole lot of grey before it gets gets to that. And, and the key thing is... Um, if you both agree on the separation date, then there's no problem. If if because if we're then we, I know we'll talk about consent orders later, mm. but then if we're lodging consent orders and both parties agree what the separation date is, then there's really no issue. But yes, it can be as simple as one person sends an email to the other person and says for whatever reason, and it doesn't need to be mm. a reason, um, this relationship is now over, and I consider us separated from this date the other person doesn't need to agree to the separation it's purely one person communicating it to the other yeah how interesting goodness but the key thing with that separation date is everyone using the same date because then if you apply if one person's then applying for Centrelink or other benefits you'll need to put that separation date in there and because these days big brother all the systems talk to each other you know when you then eventually lodge your consent orders and you put your separation Date, separation date you put on your application for consent orders was different from an ep- from a separation date you'd put on your Centrelink forms, then there'd be a big red flag and then there'd be questions. So one thing I always say to couples is if you can then have the discussions or I can assist you so that you both agree on what the separation date is and then you put that same date in everything that you're completing and then there's no problems. Yeah. So just get something in writing somewhere at some point, even Absolutely. if the other, even if your the partner isn't necessarily agreeing to it. Need to agree. Yeah. yeah. Okay. You see, that's just such a brilliant um, piece of information, I think, for people to have. One of the first steps that you need to take, isn't it? And a lot of people And your idea realize. about um, sending an email is, is, is fantastic because even though it can just be via a conversation, but you know, it's quite often a very emotionally charged mm. time. And so quite often when people reflect back, they, they can't even remember what the conversation was or they, they both remember different details of the conversation. Mm. And so that's why if you can put it in an email, then you've both got something to, to reflect back on and if the other person hasn't remembered it correctly, well, you've got proof there that that's how it was communicated so I, I recommend as much as possible for these big things to be communicated in email because it might not even be that the other person's intentionally trying to misrepresent it it's just that their life is feeling like chaos and their brain's not functioning as it normally would and so you know we all hear different parts of a conversation that relate mm. to us and so it's not necessarily the full fact so a, an email is is an excellent um, simple, cost-effective approach. Yeah, okay. Um, now, the other term that we often hear and we've already mentioned is is consent orders. So can you just explain how these fit in? Um, what are they and why would we need them? Okay, yes, consent orders um, 
become a confusing term, but they don't need to be. So basically, once both parties reach agreement about their their parenting arrangements or their property arrangements, which is how their finances and property are going to be split, then the simplest way to formalise that agreement and make it legally binding is to apply to the family court for consent orders. The key thing about this, a lot of people say, yes, why do we need them? But only after you've done that and you've got the legally binding document back from the family court is it gives both parties peace of mind and and certainty that their financial matters have now been finalised and their ex will not be able to come back and ask for more or change anything or, or challenge anything. So the key thing about this application for consent orders is both parties are signing a thing at the end saying it's a statement of truth, saying that they've given full and frank disclosure. They have provided all relevant information. And if both parties have done that, then when the court stamps it off, it's final, it's legally binding, and no one can challenge it. The The only time something like that can be challenged is if you find out, if one party finds out that the other party hasn't been fully honest, so there's, say there's some secret bank account which has got a whole lot of money in and, and the other person didn't disclose that in the document, then you could go back to court and say there's this extra asset that hadn't been considered. But that's that's you know, pretty unusual. I find most people are fair and reasonable and just want to move forward and, and, mm. and get on with their lives. So, so the benefit of getting that stamped order back from the court is that you know it's been finalised and you can then both move forward in your co-parenting arrangement knowing that Nothing else is going to be um, challenged there. And the key thing is having that document back and stamped by the court is that then provides you exemption from stamp duty if any things need to be moved around. So if it's that, um, you know, the, the, the family home, the the husband's now buying the wife out, that, that transfer going from the husband's name into the wife's name, you then wouldn't pay stamp duty on that. Or if it's then moving... Um, investment properties around, moving shares around, in addition to not paying stamp duty, you also then don't pay capital gains tax because normally when an asset is sold, with the exception of a family home, but capital gains tax is is payable. But when it's done through a consent order through the court, it's, it's like the other person um, who's then getting the property had the property from when you first purchased it. So an event hasn't occurred to cause capital gains tax to be payable. So basically, capital gains tax would only be payable on that investment property if and when the person eventually sells it. And if that person never sells it, then then capital gains tax is not payable. So that's the other key thing about the consent orders. First of all, it's legally binding. You know, it's, it's finalised. And secondly, there are stamp duty and capital gains benefits that flow from having that document whereas if you just do the transfer between yourselves and it doesn't go through consent orders you don't get that benefit Mm -hmm. and when you say it has to be stamped by the court you don't physically have to go into the court to get that done it's something that can be done um through yourself or whoever's organizing the consent order for you absolutely The, the the family court resources are excellent i can't speak highly enough about them so it can all then be be done and both parties sign the document i i can i can assist them with that or people can choose to do it by themselves or people can choose to go to lawyers you know there's many options for how people do it but when i do it working with 
my clients, they both sign everything off and then we can upload those documents through the um, family court portal. So you're uploading two documents, an application for consent orders and the proposed orders by consent. We can talk more about those in detail later, but basically you don't need to go anywhere near the court. You upload them through the portal and what then happens is both the parties then get back the orders that you've asked the court to make, which has got the precious red stamp on the front from the court, and that's what both people then get back, and that says it's all been finalised, and that's what you then use um, if you need to go to a conveyancing lawyer or if you choose to do the transfer yourself, moving titles around with whatever you've explained in the court orders is how you've agreed to juggle your assets between you. So the answer really is get a consent order. <laughs> it is, it many is the simplest answer. <laughs> and the other key thing on that is a lot of times people come to me and they say, oh, but we just want to deal with the house. We don't want to put in the super or the credit cards or all the rest of it. But it, it, it doesn't work like that because the, the, the key thing is when you lodge the application for consent orders, the court is asking you to provide all that information. You've got to go through what assets... Um, and liabilities each of you have and your superannuation is an asset and so you've got to put all that information there. Now, if you choose to then agree a split that disregards some of those numbers, that's all fine because you're lodging joint consent orders which are saying you both agree. We just need to make sure then that we've documented it in the application Mm. what you've both agreed because all the court's looking for is that both people have made informed decisions and yeah. that you've had all the information available to you. So that's why they, the court would never stamp or sign off on a court order where you only had the house and you'd said, oh, we've got these other assets, but we don't want to put them in. The court won't sign off on that because it's not getting all the information. And But therefore, it's not then um, – it won't be legally binding. And yes, you might have moved the house around, but then there's no reason that your ex can't come back at a later stage and say – well, now I want something else because in the meantime, you've had a lotto win or you've invented something and your business has taken off and and I want some of that money. Mm. Now, then there's a whole lot of orga- arguments that you can then make to say, well, that was that happened after we were separated and therefore it's not part of the marital pool, but you're then causing a legal issue to be looked at, which is going to cost both of you money to sort it out. So let's just avoid it and not even go there and have the consent orders. And to, to lodge the consent orders, it's only $160 with the court. The, the divorce application is 865 so it's much more expensive. So really, it's a very cost-effective option that the court provides so that the average person can get this finality in their financial and, and children matters and, and move on and, um, and, and it is affordable. Yeah, and it just prevents any other problems coming up Absolutely. further down the line, which you just don't need, do you, when you're trying exactly. to co-parent? You've, you've got enough to deal with. <laughs> yeah. and, and also well, I find that once once those matters have all been finalised, everyone sort of can take a breath yes. and can then um, focus on co-parenting. While you're going through that process, it, it, it's it's a roller coaster, you know, and, and everyone goes up and down as they're then absorbing what they thought their life was going to look like and how it's not going to look like. It's, it's, it's a very challenging time. But once you then know, okay, it's now finalised, it's then done, and you're not then worrying, oh, what happens if they ask for that? What happens if it, it just removes all of that. And I find it, it's a sort of 
It's a calm after the storm. It is, and, yeah. And both people can then really, you, you see them move to the next level and, um, and, and leave a lot of that, you know, angst and pain behind. And, yeah, co-parenting has its, its challenges. It has huge rewards. But um, you, you want to save all the energy you've got left for that, not looking over your shoulder that someone might come back and challenge something that, that, that you've, you know, worked hard as part of the total negotiation to get. That if you're then in a house that's in your own name, you want to know that there's no chance that um, they, they can challenge that. Mm -hmm. And so that finality gives you great peace of mind and enables you to sleep properly at night and not be worrying about the, these things, which are which are very real you know, concerns for all of us. They really are, yeah. So, I mean, so moving back a bit then now, now that we know that consent orders are really important and we know why. So with the financial settlement itself, um, can you explain this to us in a little bit more detail um, and in a way that we can all understand it? <laughs> can Absolutely. You, can you tell us you know, the main steps that are involved to make it happen? Because obviously we need to make those decisions in order to get the consent order. Correct. Place. Correct. Um, yeah. So, so the the first thing is, yeah, the financial settlement is how you're going to divide your the the term they use is like the couple's combined net assets. So, basically, all of all of the starting point is you want to document what each of your assets and liabilities are, and it doesn't matter if it's in. Um, you know, husband's name, wife's name, partner's name, it doesn't matter who owns what. While you were together as a couple, they are assets and liabilities of the relationship, marriage. It makes no difference whether it's de facto, married, same sex. It's a relationship and it's all judged the same way as it correctly should be. Um, so the first thing is you write down all your assets. So your assets are what you own. So... You know, any property, uh, cars, your superannuation is an asset. So the way I normally start is put each person's name down and then document what each of those assets are and whether you own them separately or whether you own them together. And then um, underneath that is all the liabilities. So that's what you owe. So mortgages, loans, credit card debts, and again, it doesn't matter in whose name it is. So once you then detail all the assets, what you own, and all the liabilities, what you owe, you then total those up, and so basically total assets less total liabilities gives you net assets, and that is the portion that you're then um, determining how it's going to be split between the two of between the two of you. So I always say to couples, if one of you have had more to do with the finances, that's fine. That person can start and prepare the list and then the other person can review it and say, okay, I agree with that and that, but I don't agree with that. And then we can look at what we need to do to come up with a cost-effective value for that item. But the key thing is um, in documenting the assets and liabilities, that's, that's, we're just dealing in fact. When you then move to how to split those between the couples, between the couple, um, there's no set formula. So it's not like child support. No one can tell you exactly how um, your financial settlement will be decided because it's 
um, it's based on a just and equitable is the test that the court uses and it's looking at the individual circumstances of your family. And the, the key other general principle to remember behind that is that um, the, the, the court has a no-fault divorce principle. And this is where it gets confusing because, again, you then use terms divorce when you're talking about property settlement. But basically what that means is it doesn't matter if one person caused the end of the relationship or the or the other doesn't, they're not then financially penalised because mm. of it. it. It's a case of the relationship is now over, the whys as to that are not relevant to the court and the court is then looking at what you've got and then how you've decided that it should be split up. So the, they do, the court does give guidelines, the Family Law Act gives um, guidelines that the sort of four steps involved in... Um, determining and deciding a financial settlement is, first of all, um, identi identify the value of the net assets, which is what we talked about before, so assets less liabilities. Then consider the contributions of both parties to the relationship, and within that you're looking at um, financial contributions and non-financial contributions, caring for the children, um, homemaking, and they're all equally equally valid where it's been a very long relationship it's then not as relevant how much each person bought to the start of the relationship but for shorter relationships that is more relevant but again these are all just guides there's no there's no um, definite rule and then the the third thing that the court considers is the future needs of both parties so the you know they're looking at both parties um, age health financial resources, who's caring for the children, um, each of their income earning abilities. And then the final thing when they're looking at agreeing on a, a split of the net assets is, is it just and equitable? But when we're then submitting this in joint consent orders, the parties have already discussed all of this and worked it all out between themselves and they've already put all that information into the consent order. So when the, when the court is then reviewing it, they're going through and sort of saying, okay, yes, they've considered that, yes, they've considered that, and because you both agree, they're as long as it's just and equitable, they're they're then they're then happy. If 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 you're trying to present something that's not just and equitable, then the court would come back and ask questions and probably would eventually then not approve it. Where if you've got say if you had one person who's the very high income earner and and they're getting these days it never happens, but say they're getting 90% and the person who's home with three young children is getting 10%. Well, there's no way the court's going to approve something like that because it's just not fair, you know. So so there is a fairness um, behind it. And the other key thing that the court's looking for, they call it, they, they want to see finality in what you're presenting to the court. So a um, they call it the clean break principle. So they want to see that in what you've proposed with how you're going to split your assets, they're there's a clean financial break between both the parties so that there's not going to be any ongoing financial connection because what they're trying to do is they don't want there to be any chance of future litigation coming about. So to make all of this happen, it's then there's there's two documents which you prepare and they're the ones that I talked about before that then can get uploaded through the family court portal. The first one is the application for consent orders and this provides... Um, all the detail about each of you, your children, your assets, your liabilities, and how you propose to split them. 
And then there's a second document, which is called the proposed orders by consent. And these are the actual orders that you're asking the court to endorse and, and stamp as legally binding. So this, I call this one the, the action plan. So the other one's got all the detail in it. And this is the action plan, which is, um, you know, husband to transfer his share of house to wife, wife to transfer X dollars to husband, wife to be responsible for mortgage payments over that property. So it's it's a step-by-step action plan. And so that's the only thing that you get back stamped from the court. You don't get your big detailed application for consent orders back. You get the proposed orders by consent, which when they become stamped, become the legally binding orders by consent. But in order for the court to stamp those off, they've had to review all the detail that you've provided in your application for consent orders. And and once you then get those stamped orders backed back, they have the same effect as if you'd gone through a whole court trial and a judge, um, you know, had had, had made a decision after a court hearing, it's just as legally binding as that. So so for $160, you've (laughs) saved yourself all those big um, you know, legal fees and court costs and everything, the end result which you end up with is just as legally binding as the other people who've been through that long drawn out process. It's a bargain really, isn't it? Is it is a bargain, we all <laughs> like a bargain. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to move on to the next question quite quickly just because I'm looking at the time but I just want to say you've busted quite a few myths in what you've just said there. Um, certainly the 30-70 rule uh, where people it's think no that rules, it's... No. Yeah, and, um, you know, if it was whoever broke up the relationship that they get penalised in some way. So, you know, just what you said there has just made it so much clearer um, already. So thank you for that. So now my next question is moving on to the divorce side of things, which is a different procedure. So, and I know this is a slightly easier one to answer. It's far Mm. more straightforward. Um, So can you explain how we go about this? Um, And can we use the same service or support that we have for our financial settlement to help us with our divorce? Um, um, Yes, you can, or you can do it by yourself. So yeah, divorce is... um, Uh, an order by the court which just officially ends a marriage. So it's a standalone document. It's separate from parenting orders, child support. Um, The the, the key criteria is that you have been separated and lived apart, but it can still be in the same house for at least 12 months. And there's no reasonable likelihood that you and your spouse will resume married life and either of you meets Australian eligibility tests. once you've done that, then you can either apply online. Again, this is through the, the, the federal court, but um, if you just go into the, the family court resources and put in resort in, put in divorce, uh, it'll give you the documents there, and you can either lodge an application jointly with your with your spouse, or you can lodge it by yourself, or you can use um, other professionals, someone like myself can help you or your lawyers can do it. So there's many options, but but divorce is certainly something I've, I've done a blog for Beanstalk uh, explaining how you can do your own application for divorce. So I would certainly encourage people to have a look at that and, and realise that it's, it's not that difficult and they probably can do that themselves and save themselves some money. And the, and the, and the key thing is to remember in that is the courts then not saying which one of you caused the marriage to end. The, the only thing is, have you lived separately for 12 months? So that reinforces you know, what we were saying before. 
for people to understand that and that's where also when people come in they're like well they did this and they did this and I said can you take this information and go away and read it because it's far more cost effective for you to digest that information on your own time and deal with whether you think it's fair or it's not fair but it's not something that we can change than do it while you're with me I don't want to be charging you the hourly rate for you to be um, listening to and processing that information that's why it's quite common that people you know need to go away for a while and process that and when they've when they've done that and they're ready they come back they're ready to move on because they've accepted and understood how how the law um um, yeah deals with deals with divorce so yeah divorce is easy um and it's and it's separate from property settlement and i would say you know people tend to think they need someone to help them with their divorce but you don't need anyone to help you with your divorce no the divorce is a simple process (laughs) (laughs) what you need the help with is the financial settlement that's where it would be definitely advisable to get support and and help with that to make sure that's a far more important thing at the end of the day isn't it really divorce is just a piece of paper yeah and and if you're then doing the divorce the the you know, family court has excellent like live chat s- services and things like that. So you can then pull up the different forms for the divorce, start completing them, and if you get stuck on anything, you 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 can send them a message and that they'll help you complete them because they know that the divorce is the easy part. The financial settlement is the far more comprehensive, big picture thing. Yeah. That's so that's the one that, that that's more difficult. Yeah, and I think that's where some where the confusion can lie, can't it? Mm. Which is what we're trying to clear up with this chat today um so the ladies listening to this podcast are most likely in the divorce and financial separation stage of their breakup so can you give them emotional and or financial to help them have a peaceful stress-free resolution with the right results for all involved i can certainly give you my tips of what um I find has worked for both myself and for couples that I see every day. Um, the first thing is, is is communication. So communicate as much as possible, particularly via email, have it in writing like as we talked about before, when you're discussing your financial position, potential split of assets, what you're both thinking that might look like, care arrangements for your children. Um, because because it's a very very emotionally charged charged time and you'll both communicate more effectively if you do it in writing because you can then write a draft, go back, read it, review it, take out any of the emotional barbs, you know, send it to a friend. So you're taking any of that because your objective in sending it is, is this going to help us get to our financial settlement with less drama and angst and in a quicker period of time. So um, both parties communicating is 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 crucial. And, and, and most of the time when people go to, to lawyers, it's because they've tried to, one person's tried to communicate with the other person and they just won't respond. And so then they've got no choice but have to go through lawyers. And all that does is then cost both of you a lot more and ends up... Um, that rather than you you learning how to communicate with each other through this new moving forward co-parenting thing, all the communication is done through your lawyers, so you're actually not increasing your own skill set to manage forward and move it, you know, to, to, to manage the process moving forward between yourselves, which is obviously the, the, the goal for 
for all of us. So, um, yeah, communication is the first key thing. Um, the next thing that I would recommend is 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 working together. So that flop follows on from communication, because if you and your ex are prepared to work together, with or without the help of a professional, then that will give you the most efficient outcome, both financially and emotionally. It'll save you both both costs, and it'll give you the best outcome for your whole family, so that you can you know, and you're agreeing at the beginning. Let's have a child focused goal here here, as we try try and move forward forward because we're both wanting wanting the best for our children and we want them to feel loved and secured and know that we're creating a new normal and a new stability for each of them going forward and we're wanting to you know minimize the trauma for all of us and and I also find if you then do communicate and work together and so you can get through this process more cost effectively it leaves you then less drained. I'm not saying it doesn't leave you at all drained, but it leaves you less drained both financially and emotionally and um, that's then easier to get over than you both burn a lot of time and a lot of money um, and there's only one place that can come out of and it's the marital pool of assets, so you therefore both get less and that then takes longer to get to get over so um yeah communicate work together and within that it's try and develop a give and take approach so you need to accept that neither of you are going to get everything that you want and that's the same whether you fight it out through the court or you agree it between yourselves what you had as one household together when you split that into to two neither of you are going to have the same quality of life or time with your children as you did before so it's accepting that and agreeing between you that you're going to have a you know children first priority goal and and when you start going off on different tangents you're both going to bring yourself back to that and then listen to each other so if there's one thing that the other person is really passionate about if you can give in on that but then they'll also listen to you with something else that you're that's really important to, to you, that's then the start of a positive co-parenting relationship where you're creating a, you know, a new baseline of transparency, trust, um, credibility and reliability between the separated parents. So obviously things fell apart, otherwise you wouldn't be getting, your relationship wouldn't be ending, but you're now creating, let's create our new baseline for how we can see our family moving together in a in a co-parenting fashion. And then then wrapped around around all of that that is is to make sure you get get support. support. It's, you know, separation, divorce are are two of the most stressful events in your life that you go through and it's certainly nothing, it's not something that any of us choose to go through. So to then remember and be kind to yourself during this traumatic time and forgive yourself for the mistakes that you will make and we all make along the along the way and and I always say to people if you can treat yourself as you would treat a friend who was going through it because we'd be we're far more forgiving on friends and everything than we are to ourselves rather than um yeah doubting ourselves and criticizing ourselves we can't change what's happened but we can we can learn from it and move forward and around that is then making sure you've got a positive, a positive and, and encouraging, encouraging support, support network, network 
around you, and that's where you know Beanstalk is a is a key resource in that. And the key thing is it's there 24/7, so that's exceptional as well. But it's also then. You know, don't be a martyr. Don't suffer in silence. Reach out to your friends and family. They they want to help you. Quite often they just don't know how. So if you can then speak up and say, oh, look, it'd be really great if, you know, you could pick, when you're at netball, you could pick my daughter up and drop her home or something like that. And, 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 and people, people want to help because they feel your pain and quite often they've been there before you so they, they know but they also need some guidance from you in what, what is most, most helpful, helpful for you, you because they also they don't, don't want, want to, to, you know, sometimes, you, know, sometimes you need space and you need processing time, so they don't want to barge in and not give you, they want to do it respectfully, so they're really looking for guidance from you as to how they can do that and what's their best way of supporting you and your children to be able to 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 move forward. So... Yeah, it's probably, yeah, it's probably a, summary a summary of what, of what I, would I would try. Oh, that's brilliant. Excellent. Excellent advice, Belinda. As always, you're a fountain of knowledge. You can tell that you've, um, you know, that you've been through it yourself. And I think that's really important to be able to help others um, to go through it because it's a, a very unique thing mm. um, when, you, when you just have to deal with something like this. And I just have, and that was one of the reasons that I set up um, Beanstalk and the single mum vine was because I just don't think that you can really get it unless you've no, been no. through it. Um, unfortunately, agree. more and more of us are going through it now. But yeah, you know, reaching out to the right people, um, it's so important. So look, um, now if uh, the listeners are regulars on Beanstalk and the single mum vine, which um, they probably are, I expect they'll know who you are, Belinda, because you're often on the vine chatting and helping the mums out with their financial separation issues um, and you do us lots of really useful blogs um, and of course a podcast on Beanstalk but for those of you who don't know who you are can you just quickly let them know where they can find you and um, how they can make contact with you um, if they'd like to get some more information about their financial separation. Yeah, probably our, our, our website is, is a good um, starting place. So um, it's divide with a with a hyphen. So uh, www.div-ide.com.au, and that there's a lot of information there if people are just wanting to look at information and work out. They're not ready to reach out yet, or they can certainly give me a call. Oh seven three three six seven five three eight eight. We're based in Brisbane, but the the family uh, law is the same all around Australia. So I help couples from all around Australia and and overseas as well, where you've got one person based here. Or send me an email, which is Belinda at div-ide.com.au, and love to talk to you. Okay, thank you. And also those details will be in the description on the podcast on the website, but also you can um, click through straight to the website from the Beanstalk homepage because, as I mentioned, Belinda is our um, expert advisor, which means that um, we at Beanstalk endorse and 100% recommend the service that she offers um, to help you through your financial separation so thank you so much Belinda (laughs) thank you you're you're always so welcoming and positive and I think we we've both got the same ethics and ethos just coming at different angles for how to help people and it's hugely rewarding 
when you can help people through this process and you can see them blossom and move forward with their lives being, um, you know, uh, uh, the good parent that they still are. That hasn't changed whether they're a separated parent or whether they're married. Yeah, well, I tend to think of us as veteran single mothers. Yes, who, veterans, have, yeah, <laughs> who have been there and done it. And I mean, I don't know about you, but I'm very happy with my life. And I know, well, I know you are. And I know yes. that you have um, um, a healthy relationship with your ex-partner um, and a good co-parenting relationship, the same as I do. But we've both been through ups and downs. So it's just really good as well to be able to say, look, we've been there, we've done it. And it could you know, people listening to this particular podcast, as I say, are very likely to be going through that difficult time, but you will come out the other side and things do get easier and life's going to be really good. Absolutely. 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 No, yeah. Like you, very happy with my life and, and also wouldn't change anything that's happened along the way because the lessons I've learned and, and I'm a, I'm a better person for it. So, um, and when I was going through all that challenge, I didn't didn't at the time time appreciate appreciate that 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 would be able to be used used for some good, good, which is is now able to share some of that and help other people. people. So, So, um, yeah, no, I find it very rewarding. rewarding. Yeah, you just never know why things are happening, do you? But everything's happening for a reason and it all comes out in the end. You work it out, maybe a year or two later, but it all makes sense eventually. Yeah, it's it's not always (laughs) immediate. But, you know, as I used to say to my mum at times, she'd say it's character building. I said, I've got enough character now. But anyway, if I can share my character building with with other people, I'm delighted to do so. Yeah, I don't want to do any more for myself. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So to the single mums who are listening... I get it, I've been there, it's daunting, and it's okay to admit that it's also confusing. Um, So look, take Belinda's advice, Um, be kind to yourself, get the support that you need, whether it's family and friends, whether it's coming on and chatting on the single mum vine or whatever it is you need. Um, The practicalities of a separation are so important, both throughout the process and about what happens in the future so take your time but stay within the deadlines (laughs) make sure you understand what you have to do and navigate it with confidence and with knowledge Um, until next time ladies goodbye